I hope this is a prompt for listeners right now because we had to look at how much money we were spending and we couldn't say the dollar. I can tell you the exact dollar that we spend every month now because we had to figure out what our dang personal lifestyle was. And we had to create our family budget. And essentially our business's job first is to fund our family budget every month. You know, we have different buckets. We literally have a Target bucket. We have an Amazon bucket. We have a house bucket. We have a payments bucket. We have Kyle fun money bucket and Haley fun money bucket. All of these had to come together to make one number. The biggest exercise I have people do from the start is what is your lifestyle cost? Listener, welcome back to the Better Than Rich Show. Another really fantastic episode specifically centered around passive income and putting your money to work for you with Kyle Reedstrom. And what's really cool is Kyle has the 25K Passive Income University and also the Passive 25K podcast. What I love about this conversation is not only we talk about what's the significance of having 25K passive, and if you do the math, 300,000 a year in passive income, but it's like the journey to get there, all the different vehicles that you could do and put money into, his vision, his mission, his beliefs around money and how it could make you a better father and a better husband. I really love this conversation. I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it, Kyle is a family man with a business. He referenced his wife, Haley, several times. He has two kids. Rosie is two and a half and Wesley, who's 10 months. He talks about in this episode how he has 10 different streams of active income and also his passive income between the single family homes, the real estate brokerage, the properties. He lists them all out. So Andrew, what were some of the highlights for you from this episode before we let them go to Kyle Reedstrom? Yeah, I think it's just a great masterclass in how to think about money in general, right? He obviously gets into the specific passive income vehicles and the different things that you can do from vending machines to Turo cars to real estate investing to any sort of number of options. But I also love just how he thinks about it and takes a really practical approach around the intentionality around it. Also, he has a huge heart for people and making an impact and just talking about why do this? Why does it really matter? And ultimately freeing yourself up so that you could actually make the impact you're here to make. So without any further ado, let's get on to the show with Mr. Kyle Reedstrom. Welcome to the Better Than Rich Show with your hosts, Andrew Biggs and Mike Abramowitz. The Better Than Rich Show helps ambitious leaders who are on a mission to leave the world better than they found it, change their perspective on what's important, increase their income and impact, and systemize their life and business. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose, have felt disconnected or distracted, or found yourself going through the motions, this show will remind you that what you do matters and will re-inspire you to chase your highest dreams. It's time for you to become better than rich. So welcome back to the Better Than Rich Show. Mike Abramowitz here with Andrew Biggs. And welcome, Kyle Reedstrom, another fellow front row dad, rocking the hat. How are you today, brother? I'm doing great, guys. Glad to be here. Well, we got a chance to connect in Front Row Dad Live in Austin back a couple months ago. Also, thanks for the referral and suggestion to get into VIP. So I'll see you again in Utah at Park City, probably around the release of this episode sometime in May. I was so fascinated by your story, and I'd love for you to share a lot of your story with our audiences Just this initiative and this movement of passive income, you have a really great platform with the Passive 25K and this whole idea of creating this nest egg. You've built this really beautiful empire with real estate, of course, I want you to hit on that. But the reasons behind why generating passive income and getting to that 25K for you and your family and why it's your mission of helping other people, I think you have done really well. You have a methodical approach to it between your mission and your vision and how you align the beliefs with it. I'd love to have you just riff and help our audience get a flavor and a taste of the intentionality, the inspiration for all of this. So if you could just kind of speak to some of that, that'd be great. Yeah, Mike, thanks for building it up. I think the way I like to start this is saying, just like all three of us, I'm just a normal dude that was kind of walking down the path, right? I was just trying to pay attention to when I hit forks in the road. I was trying to pay attention to prompts that were coming my way. I got the advice, if you will call it that, hey, you're good at math. And what do you do when you're good at math? You become an engineer. You go to school to be an engineer, (laughs) apparently. And I didn't really have much better reason than that. And I got into that and I was like, man, this is just not filling me up every day. And I feel like there's more to life than this, right? But I was young at this point. This classic story goes, I came across a book. And I always like to say, man, wisdom 
and knowledge is in the pages of books. If you don't have books all around you sitting on your end tables that are half read, that's what happened to me. And it was rich dad, poor dad, like many. And it completely changed my thinking. I read that on a Sunday afternoon. I remember exactly where I was. And that's when I started the discovery of hey, let's make money work for you. What's your vision around how this whole career and this money thing works? The cool part at the time was I owned a little house in Fargo, North Dakota, which is where I live now. I was in Bismarck, North Dakota at the time. I'm a northerner if people haven't picked up on some of the accent. And I don't think you can say Fargo without sounding funny. So there's that. I owned a little house and it was making 400 bucks a month cash flow. Mortgage was paid. 400 bucks. My engineering salary was like 47,000 at the time. Okay. And so I said, man, if I did this 10 times, that would be $4,000 a month. And then that would be four times 12. Oh my gosh. I just created my first exit plan. You know what I mean? It was just like that simple thought. So I was like, okay, well, I got to do this 10 more times. Right. And I think whenever we find like bits and pieces of knowledge, And I want to hear your guys' take on this because that's what I think about when I think about Mike and Andrew. Any small repetition thing that can be duplicated, game over. We just solved it. Now we just have to walk the path out. That was part of my story. And that's where everything really started cranking for me. Before I kick it to Andrew, I just want to say how similar our paths and stories are because I have my bachelor's in industrial engineering because I was good at math. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the book that I read while I was in college to buy my first house when I was 20. And then I had three rental properties by 22. So when I graduated college, I had three rental properties that were cash flowing. Then I got my degree and I was like, all right, forget this engineering thing. I'm just going to stay in direct sales and ride this thing out until the year that was of 2008 (laughs) and lost the three properties. And many of our listeners know the story near bankrupt, 130,000 in debt, 400 credit score. But to your point of what you just said of having that education, I call it the $130,000 education, and knowing my genius and understanding numbers, I was able to climb my way out of it to 10 years later, being a credit investor and having my hands in different syndication deals and real estate. And I've made it back because of those lessons and because of reading those books and because of understanding my genius. And one of the things I'm excited to learn from you right now, and as we continue to have our friendship and as we go through Front Row Dads together and get to know one another is 25,000 in passive income is something that is a little bit higher than $400 a month. And we're talking about monthly passive income of 25K, not 400 or not even 4,000. So there is this like ramp that you're talking about building. And I'd love for you to continue that story just a little bit more of like, how do you build this ramp and go from 400 to 4,000 to 25,000. That's very interesting for me. And I'd love for you to share whatever you want to share. I mean, here's the thing, Mike, and you guys will maybe agree with this. After engineering, I got into real estate sales. So I was really sitting in that seat as a real estate agent and still cranking. I still have a real estate team today, but I consistently saw every time you had a good year, it just was the new floor for your next sales goal. And it was like, man, this is the opposite of recurring revenue. Not only do I have to recreate what I did last year, I have to do twice as much in order to hit my new sales quota. And I have to probably work twice as hard because situations have changed. I found it so interesting. I always call it moving the goalpost. The goalpost kept moving. How do you ever score a touchdown when the goalpost keeps moving? And so it became really important. And I'm glad you brought up the 25K because my wife and I looked at each other and said, the buck stops here. And this was in 2018. We literally looked at each other and said, what's our finish line? I use the term focus and finish line a lot because if you actually have a line that you draw and it's not going to move, you start running towards it. And then all of a sudden you can see it. And once you get close to it, you start running faster. And instead of always feeling behind or living in the gap, that was really important to us. And what's happened is we started to tell people about it and it became really compelling. It became compelling to us. We finally got excited. Like our number is 25K. There's people that their number is 100K a month. There's people that their number is 5,000 a month. And that's cool. But ours was 25K. We literally named our brand around it, Passive 25K Group, just to remind us of our vision and our finish line every time we say it, every time we're on a podcast. And it's been a really cool lighthouse to cast 
because our mission went to building wealth through passive income, which we felt what's the purpose of everything we're doing at that point when we set that metric, to building wealth through passive income for ourselves and others. And that's been the cool part is it started to attract others into this journey. What's your number? What's your finish line? I just want to say 25000 a month, that's 300000 a year. So how did you get to the number of $300,000 a year? So my two-part question here is, number one, how did you get to the number? Number two is, how do you define passive income? Because we had Rachel Richards on the show, and her definition of passive income was quite interesting. I'll share her definition after yours, but her definition was really good. And then I would love to hear your definition compared to that. And also, how did you get to the 300K? And then Andrew, take it away. The 25K for us was kind of like adding zeros, okay? So everything we do, it's like scaling up or reverse engineering. So 25,000, we don't think of it like 25,000. We don't think of it like 300. We never really say the word 300, right? Because I always think people should stop talking about how much money they make a year and start talking about how much money they keep a month. We said 25K a month. Well, that's five streams of 5,000. So already we're breaking that down or reverse engineering. And at the time, we had three streams of 500 a month. We added a couple zeros to those streams. And we said, what if we came across a couple more, which ended up manifesting themselves. And all of a sudden we had like, okay, here's five streams. And as long as they're doing a hundred a month, we can scale, we can automate, delegate, systematize, right? Like you guys always say, we can start down the path of scale. And that's the really fun part when you get out of the weeds of identifying what they are. And this is the big encouragement I give anybody. How do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time. We got to take any number or any goal you want to achieve and break it all the way down, break it all the way down, especially financial ones. 25,000 was a really cool number for us because to be quite honest with you, our budget, our lifestyle that we live is half of that. This would give us enough money to live the life we want, to live where we want, to give the amount of money we want, to invest the amount of money we want, to continue to propel and invest in new businesses, to save the amount of money we want, to pay taxes, all that stuff. This number to us was like, okay, this is our finish line. This is what we're going to achieve. And the cool part is we always get the question too, what happens when you cross that finish line? And the coolest answer came to us, which was my entire purpose after that is just to help other people do the same, to get more people to the mountaintop. And that was the first time I literally looked in the mirror and said, I think I could do this till the day I die. I'm like a live case study right now, someone that's going through the process of doing this, but I want to come back on the show when I'm the guy that's like, hey, we crossed the finish line on this date on this year. And now how can we help other people do the same? Because the belief that I have is that Kiyosaki's financial freedom equation, which is your expenses are less than or equal to the amount of passive income coming to you. I truly believe that when the money problem is solved, people can start making decisions based on the merit of the decision rather than the financial implication or the time implication. When people create time freedom, and I know you guys believe in this, people can stop looking at life so myopically and start really solving big problems that are around them. Problems with their marriage, problems with their families, problems with their immediate communities, their extended families, and problems with the world. And I've seen this because I've met financially free people and they do and think and solve huge stuff and huge problems. That's the only way that we can start turning this cruise ship of the world in the right direction, right? To touch on the definition of passive income, Mike, because you had mentioned that, and that's a really good question too. I get that a lot. I again came across the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. And that to me was accumulation of how you could run something in four hours a week. And generally speaking, when I'm talking with people in our community, Passive Income University, when I'm talking with people that are going on this journey, I'm usually looking at the different income streams they have. Usually they're active to start and we're trying to get that into the four-hour workweek framework. And once it's in the four-hour workweek framework, we're putting it into the passive income category. But then I've even seen people get it down to like 30 minutes a week for a lot of businesses. That's your guys' world. That's where, Mike, we've had such great conversations around. Once we've had passive income streams or even active income streams identified... There's a point where like you're scaling and you're really doing it and the numbers are there. It's just active. The flip switches to automation, delegation, systemization. And that's you guys. That's better than rich. That's a really fun place to get to. I've got some people in our community right now that are doing that with Turo and their Turo businesses. We can see that finish line for them to get to where they want to go via Turo. And it's just going to come to a point where we need to get that Turo business less active and more passive. That's a fun problem to solve. That's a good place to be. Yeah, this is awesome, man. You mentioned Turo. Obviously, I know you're big in real estate. What are someone's options 
You mentioned five streams. Help us understand kind of the best ones out there from your perspective. And what do you typically advise people get into? What's a good starting point? What are some different considerations? I'd love to hear you give us like some really good technical knowledge here on the Better Than Rich show today, if you don't mind. It's a good prompt. And honestly, we're putting together a database of like all the different versions. That's one of the big reasons we started the community Passive Income University was everybody's recipe can be different and we can all start to pick and choose. It's like a buffet line. But I will say this. If you are ignorant to real estate, that has to be a part of this recipe. And that's the soapbox I stand on and what I defend. It doesn't have to be all real estate. There's a lot of channels of real estate. We have our real estate broken down into long-term rentals, mid-term rentals, short-term rentals, commercial. There's different categories of real estate, which we really put those in different buckets. We don't just all say we do all that. We really run those differently and we consider those different streams because some can be more passive than others. For example, we just had someone that in one of the biggest high schools in our community locked down, he calls it healthy vending solutions. So he's doing vending machines. His early projections for being in the biggest high school in our area with three machines is that he's going to be making about $1,500 to $2,500 a month from those machines. And if that's the case, right, it's projections right now, he just locked down the contract, that would be moving to six to nine to 12 machines that school has capacity for. And then looking into a couple of the other big schools, right there, you guys, that could be it. So it's like, how crazy is that? How fun is that? Turo has been a really cool one that I mentioned that's been marketplace driven. It's a need that's being filled. And it has some really cool ways to automate it. I've seen it automated and created 100% passivity with that. We have some people we follow around just straight up high yield dividend investing. That's 100% passive income stream that we see people adding to their passive income portfolio. E-commerce is a big one. I still am poking holes in some of these with like, hey, how active and how passive, right? But that's the fun question is when someone brings up a income stream, it's like, hey, how is it not actually passive? And how does this stump us? We just shot a podcast episode with a person doing land investing, which would fall in the real estate category. But the way he does it is when he purchases land, he sells the next buyer on seller financing. So really the way he's making passive income is he's the bank and he does eight to 12% interest and he does a 30 year and he's just collecting four to 400 to $900 per seller financing deal. And he's loaded up 35 of those things. And he said he's doing 21000 a month last year in passive income. And those are truly passive because land, you don't need to do anything. The notes is direct deposit into his bank account. And as long as they don't default, he's rolling. I could keep going, but you guys, the imagination behind this is what's so addicting. You know, everybody's got something. It's just whether we can take ourselves out of it and turn it passive. It's funny, I was referring back to some of my notes from Rachel's conversation, because some of this, I don't want to overlap where I just tell the same damn stories I told on her episode. But listener, you could go back and check hers out. But her definition of money earned with little to no ongoing effort is essentially passive income. And you said the vending machine in, in high school, I had a vending machine in my house, and I would throw these parties at my house and fill it with candy bars that I would buy for like 25 cents and then sell them for 70. And then I would go buy a keg. My older sister's friends would go buy the keg and I would sell $5 a cup and I would have 50 to 100 people come through at $5 a cup plus the vending machines. I would go to Planned Parenthood and put condoms in the in the vending machine and I would rent out the back room in my house. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Always I, be closing. I love that. <laughs> I was an entrepreneur before I knew what an entrepreneur was. And I would walk away making like five, 600 bucks on a party. And I never drank. I never smoked. I was straight edge. But the, you know, I, I digress a little bit too much over here. But the idea of passive income now, 37-year-old Mike, we had Chris Larson on the podcast. And I just did my second syndication deal with him since we interviewed him. So I now have 25,000 in one syndication project. And I just gave him another 25 grand for another syndication project. Where I'm at, selfishly, I'm asking you and telling you as context of these syndication deals, these ideas of where they pay some sort of quarterly distribution and then you get a kicker in three to five years whenever the property sells. Technically, it's passive money that I'm not working for and it checks these boxes. But there is some risk. There's always risk. And there's no time. I literally just gave him the money and put the money to work. So some of these ideas that you shared do require a little bit of time. And some of them require money. This is where I get curious for our audience. If it's an overwhelmed entrepreneur who's trying to win back some of their time because they're working so hard on the business, but if they were able to implement everything we teach in the automate, delegate, systemize stuff to win back some of their time and they free up some of their time, and then they take a percentage of that capital, whatever that number might be, 
is there a version of like a dollar cost averaging where you don't need a large chunk of 25 or 50 or $100,000 to go put to work where it could be something like a dollar cost averaging model. I could take this number and put it towards this and I get this type of return. Like I started with Fundrise Real Estate Investment Trust, put five grand in there. And then it paid me probably like a 12% return, maybe like whatever that is over the course of a couple of years. And I just put like another seven in there and then it paid me maybe like another couple hundred bucks. It's nothing crazy, but it's fully, truly passive income. Where's a good place to start taking some of this context of like, you could win back some of your time, but where do you spend the time? Or how could you win back some of the money and be intentional with the money? Because most people, they get the money and they're like, let me just bump it back into my business or buy a new car. Let's go on that family vacation that we wanted versus... Let's really get some money freedom. Speak to that. Yeah, man. You bring up so many like perfect points because you know where this starts? It's not like everybody wants to jump to all the fun stuff like syndications and all of the ideas that I just shared. But where it starts is on the personal cash flow side. Haley and I were having these visions. Haley's my wife. We were saying, hey, what if we did this? What we actually had to take inventory of, and I hope this is a prompt for listeners right now because... We had to look at how much money we were spending and we couldn't say the dollar. I can tell you the exact dollar that we spend every month now because we had to figure out what our dang personal lifestyle was and we had to create our family budget and essentially our business's job first is to fund our family budget every month. You know, we have different buckets. We literally have a Target bucket. We have an Amazon bucket. We have a house bucket. We have a payments bucket. We have Kyle fun money bucket and Haley fun money bucket. All of these had to come together to make one number. The biggest exercise I have people do from the start is what is your lifestyle cost? That takes some people six months to figure out, by the way, because these conversations get, they can get 10. They're not tracked. They have no idea of money coming in versus money going out. Most yeah. of the time. And again, I do not have a preference on this. I think it can work either way. But if you're married, are those finances together or separate? And how does that work? Because there's a lot of ambiguity around this, you guys. And you cannot solve the financial freedom equation if you don't know the expense. And I know a lot of people that think they're financially free, but their expenses go like, you know, there's not even a real number attached. So, I mean, that's one of the biggest call to actions, Mike. When people come into our community, I'm like, hey, let's do the budget exercise. Let's run it. Let's figure out exactly what your monthly is, what's comfortable. Budgeting, I've loved it ever since someone explained it to me. Budgeting is freedom to spend. Because when I have $1,500 a month go into my Kyle's Choice account, I'm like, man, I don't even use it most months, but that's like, okay, if I wanted to do something fun, I can go do something fun, right? Also, after you're figuring out like, hey, we've got a budget, I know how much money I'm spending and I know how much money I'm able to spend. We have what we call a steal from yourself saving system because we saw the attraction to subscriptions on your phone with apps like, you know, that just take money from you every month. And we're like, let's do that to our own benefit. Let's steal from ourselves. So there's a lot of apps out there. I'll name a couple. Stash, Capital with a Q-A-P-I-T-A-L, Acorns. There's all these apps that actually steal your money from you and put it somewhere where you can have later. And it's so powerful, you guys. I have like 12 of these things doing it right now. And I go and look every month and add up the balance and I calculate my savings rate. General savings rate that's recommended if you look around is 15%. I wanted to know, am I actually a saver? Am I a 4% saver? Am I a 20% saver? Where do I fall? And this was my way of finally figuring out, okay, what's my savings rate compared to how much money I made? How much did I save? The cool thing is now it's addicting. It's like anything. It's like a game. I'll have a good month in business and I'll go and put an extra $1,000 in my Acorns account. That's automatically invested in a stock or something. These two things, Mike, is an amazing way. And we haven't even talked about investing or getting into streams yet, but one of the ways you can solve the financial freedom equation is you can actually lower your expenses. That's another way to get there. You know, you said you're spending $4,500 a month or you're spending $15,000 a month. You can move both levers. And so we start with the first lever. It's so important and it's it's really easy. And I've definitely been guilty of the lifestyle creep, Kyle, that, that it can happen when you begin to make more money, right? And then the next thing you know, it's the expenses were at six grand, but then yeah, they're at eight, now they're at 10, now they're at 12. And it's like, you know, you can easily look back and go, how did we get here? And it's just the intentionality, I think, is so important. And I was good at math. Okay, don't get me wrong. I was, you know, really good at math, but it's not like I 
enjoy sitting down with spreadsheets and crunching these like the attention to detail sort of things. You know, I want to play the piano and, you know, go for a walk in the woods and listen to music and write poetry. And it's like, oh, man, I got to sit down and categorize my fucking expenses. Are you serious, Kyle? Like, God damn, it just sounds like watching paint dry for a person like me. And so, you know, I obviously I admire what you bring to the table and, and how you guys approach this. And I also go, man, I, I really want to find a way to make this fun <laughs> for me to like make it really practical and get excited and get addicted to 25K passive income. When you think about what that does for you long term, it's a game changer. And I mean, all the things that you want are on the back end of that. It's just a great reminder. And I'm sure there's someone listening who can relate to that. How, how do you help somebody who's, who's yeah, like- where, where do you start? Help, help, uh, help them out. Dude, okay, so Andrew- I want to sit here and say, first off, I'm a shiny object entrepreneurial dude that hates budgeting too. Like I can't even get through one of the books, right? So we're the same. And I would recommend the book that kind of sent us down the rabbit hole of like, how could we do this for us was Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Okay. So Profit First entered in and he explained a concept that was called percentage-based accounting versus bank balance accounting. And that was so huge because he explained the concept... People check their bank balance more than anything they look at, more or less than Facebook. It's like one of the things people look at maybe every hour or at least twice a day. And then psychologically, people spend based on what's in their bank account. And it's like, oh my gosh, I looked in the mirror. I'm like, that's exactly what I do. Oh, I'm feeling free. I've got eight grand in my checking account. Oh, I'm feeling a little tight. I'm going to eat something cheap today because I've got 250 bucks in my checking account. So the concept was this. He said, budgeting is the freedom to spend, percentage-based accounting, Money comes in and it goes into its buckets. And then you just stare at the buckets, right? And certain buckets you hide. So I want to do a quick example. This is what Haley and I did. We said, what buckets exist in our life? Let's try to put things in buckets. And so, like I said, I'm going to use general examples. We wanted to pay for our house. We wanted to pay for gas and groceries. We wanted to pay for Amazon. We wanted to pay for Target. And we wanted to pay for my choice. And then we do a giving account. When income comes in, we give 10%. All of that being said... Our job now that those buckets are set up and with our predetermined numbers. So we're just going to use 2000 for each of those and 1000 for the personal choice for $10,000 a month. Okay. Predetermined numbers. Now our job, my wife and I, each month, she's got to go out and I've got to go out and make $10,000 to fund that. Right. And it all goes into an income account. And once a month, that income account disperses to all of the sandboxes. The coolest thing is once you have those and you've funded your lifestyle for the month, or like, let's say right now, this week, we're planning on funding our lifestyle for March. Now we don't have to think. And we actually have different cards for each account, debit card for each account. It's like the envelope system, but it's modern, right? I just have five cards when I go pay for gas. I swipe that card. When I'm shopping on Amazon, I either do Kyle's Choice or Amazon account. And the coolest topic was this. Eventually, one of our goals is to be invested in the, in the companies we spend money at. So like one of the coolest concepts that I came across was, what if we had $100,000 in Amazon stock and our Amazon dividend paid for our Amazon budget each month? That type of thinking was super cool. Like, oh, now we're getting the passive income wheels turning and Target and Home Depot for our home. There's some really cool things. We did something like that for our vehicle. You know, it's very Kiyosaki-esque. It's buy an asset that pays for the liability. My wife really wanted a Yukon for our family, a Yukon XL. And I did too, but we saved up the money. We saved it up. We saved up 37 grand or something like that. We were looking at a used Yukon at the time. And we're like, should we go buy one? Let's do what we do. Instead, we're like, no, what would Kiyosaki do? So we went out and invested it into an index fund. We call it VDIGX. We always joke we're going to put that on the license plate when it pays off the vehicle. But the dividends were like showing like, okay, this will probably grow and we'll make payments out of that. And so we put all the 37 grand in there. We took out a loan on the vehicle and then each month we sell off like six to $700 of that fund and automatically transfer that into the vehicle payment account. So it's kind of a system. And what we found is that the 37 we put in, we've been paying on that vehicle for three and a half years and the vehicle's loan balance is like 15,000 and there's still $35,000 in that VDIGX account. So it's like, whoa, like this type of thinking it was just putting money in different buckets, right? 
that's genius. It's awesome. I mean, I love that level of thinking and, and analysis and organization. It's really inspiring. That's super cool. You, you hear the simplicity to it too, right, Andrew? Like this stuff, it can be very, it's all plus signs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, plus and minus, And that's pretty much it, right? Mike, what's coming up for you, man? Well, first off, I think I had that same Vanguard index fund for quite some time. Coming up for me is I think about the listener right now. They're all at different chapters. So I got to think about who's listening to the show. Each of them have their own specialized knowledge. So the goal would be to do what you know, to find niches in your genius that you can go find a way to make money, right? Like and find the different pockets in the marketplace that you can add value to or be able to create passive income from. Like I don't have knowledge in some aspects of buying a small business, although I really would love to add that piece of my portfolio. There's what's convenient for me. That's one argument in the marketplace. It's like, do what's in your genius or do what you're good at or like whatever you're focused on. And then there's another thing where it's like, I know this works, but I don't have the time to go become an expert at it. So where do I begin? Because then I get settled into this analysis paralysis and not do anything. And I do nothing because I don't know where to begin or I don't know where to start. So it becomes a little challenging. I know I'm guilty of that. My little asterisk, and we had the whole, I had a whole conversation with Chris Larson about this, about the banker theory, the infinite banking theory, creating the life insurance policy and borrowing against it. That idea was, well, I didn't know. I was like, ah, should I do this? And I toyed with it for so long because it's like, I got to buy insurance for 15 grand and I don't make that 15 grand back for like eight years. And then this isn't really a good investment. But then after thinking about it and thinking what I wanted to do on the other end of the insurance policy, it's like, this is just a savings account. It's just a holding tank. It's like, so I had to set up all these other things. And then it's like, okay, I could borrow against the holding tank. That's still going to grow. But then that money is going to go work over here. And then I could put the money back. And obviously, I don't want to go so far in that rabbit hole. Go listen to our episode with Chris Larson. We go do a deep dive on it. But it took me like, I can four years of research and studying and reading all the books. I have like four infinite banking books. I don't have the time to go if I can start studying and reading and learning all this shit now. I just want to be told what to do. What do you say to someone that maybe is thinking these thoughts? Dude, you got to ask yourself who not how like crazy in this world. Who not how. And that's the thing. People are the my favorite part of what we do and the hardest part of what we do. But at some point, you're done trying to gain all the skills. The holes that people poke in what I'm doing is like, you build five bridges at one time. Why don't you build one bridge faster than five at one time? And I love that argument for focus. Because if you find something, one thing and scale it, the argument is you could do it better and faster. I don't argue with it. It's an amazing mindset. And when people have a skill, especially an active income skill, oh my gosh, I hope people don't hear like quit what you're doing and, and change paths. Because if you have a skill in active income, it can completely fuel every vision that you have. Right now, my skill and knowledge of the Fargo-Moorhead real estate market is so valuable to fuel everything we're doing that I need to keep those wheels turning with my real estate team. Just to click on that, I just want to make sure that I capture this. What is that number? Your real estate portfolio, you're pretty accomplished with that. I don't have the number in front of me. I know we talked about it before, but like, what is it that you are responsible for as far as your real estate portfolio or your team and what you've done in real estate? Yeah, I'm not by any means on some of the huge number counts. You know, we own a lot of single family houses. So we own about 25 single family houses. We own three different commercial properties. We're part of two other groups that own about 15 properties. And then we operate and run a real estate brokerage for real estate sales, help people buy, build, sell, and invest. Well, I'm partnered with one of our operators for our property management arm. You know, vertically integrated the management of all these units. And then we have a partnership in an insurance company that insures all the properties, right? So we're trying to kind of hug some of these revenue streams. But generally speaking, it's like our one thing is really around the real estate space. And the management company does about 60 units. And really is starting to gain a lot more traction of managing short-term rentals, which is a more lucrative thing. But again, that one to me is in the four-hour work week category. The management company is a one-hour meeting a week and somebody else runs that completely and has done a really great job. That's like down that small business rabbit hole of being like, hey, that made a lot of sense. And really, Guardian Property Management will end up being one of our five streams that'll get us across the finish line. So, you know, nothing huge and crazy and we have vision for more, but all of our decision-making is based on the reverse engineering of getting across that 25,000 a month 
and then we'll see what happens from there. You know, when you say real estate, you're not like selling real estate, going out and like closing homes right now, or that's not your what? Because when I hear real estate, I thought automatically think of real estate agent. I am licensed. I'm a broker, and we do run a real estate team. We call that team Midwest Invest Realty Group here, and so that's like any transaction we do with our own properties. We also facilitate those. We also help another usually 100 to 120 other people sales a year within our team. I'm the team leader of that. That's still most of my time. So just to break that down, again, I'm like kind of poking around your personal business here, but I just want to get clear of how many different streams of income you have created underneath the umbrella of real estate. So I just want to make sure I heard this. You have your downline of all your agents that you make money off of. So you have the downline and then you have any houses that you sell because you're contracted. So however many you sell personally, and then you have the insurance or like the brokerage makes profit. And then you have this insurance partnership. You probably have like some sort of affiliate kickback or something there. We're up to four streams of revenue just from the real estate business. What else am I missing? I'll just keep counting. I would like, and this isn't just to add more fingers to the mix, but I would say long-term rentals, mid-term rentals, and short-term rentals. Then we have our commercial building. And then we have our management. And then I guess the other thing is our community, Passive Income University. That's not going to be a huge moneymaker for us, but that's the community we want to fund and make sure we continue to add value to. 10 revenue streams, if I counted that right? Some people are like, whoa, 10, but that's also scary. It can take you in different places. I feel like sometimes I can come to work and I can start turning knobs on the buffet line wherever I want and it can be wildly inefficient. You know what I mean? Generally speaking, our one thing is Passive 25K group. All of those things function to pour into that. And we're constantly taking inventory of which of those businesses is A, we can turn more passive and B, can be one of our five, five streams of passive. I'm going to kick it to Andrew. I just wanted to make sure that was captured. 10 different streams of income that are coming in at this point in time right now, some higher than others. Some of them have probably like different segments of each of those, but there's 10 entities that pay you each month, essentially. Yeah. And the the cool part is anybody in the real estate industry, I mean, this this is vertical integration. If we acquire a property for our property company that we call KRC Properties, we collect commission as broker. I collect commission as an agent or one of my team members does. We can insure it. We can manage it. We can cash flow it and we can depreciate it for taxes. We've figured out which of these can really fuel everything, You know, which fires we can stoke to fuel everything, which has been an interesting quarterly meeting for us in inventory. Yeah. I mean, the idea of vertical integration in general is a really great topic. In some ways, I want to ask you about automation, delegation, systemization, because there's got to be someone listening who's going... Whoa, like, you know, four hour work week, that's crazy. I work a 60 hour work week or 30 minutes a week and you make five grand a month on that. Of course, there are really good investment choices that you're making and you really understand the market really well to be able to make those investment choices. But also, man, you got some business chops. Like, you know, not very many people know how to do that. So I would love to hear some advice, whether it's on leadership or it's on how do you structure your businesses such that they can run that way. What are your thoughts on that? Another book recommendation, right? Like we said, the book Traction and the Entrepreneurial Operating System really changed the game for us, EOS. I read that book before I had anybody in my world, but it gave me one big aha, one box to check, which was if I'm testing out as a visionary, I need an integrator if I'm going to do anything well. If I'm going to do anything that's going to scale and stay. That was my first hire. I went from a one-man team to a two-man team, and it was me and Jory White. Jory White joined my team in 2020. And back then, it wasn't 10 fingers. It was one finger. And we had the rental properties, but they're being managed by someone else. And so once we came together, that all changed. I could finally find a person that once a quarter, at least, we sat around a table for an entire day and worked on the businesses. We started to sketch the spider web that could get us. That's where the vision was created. Simply put, Andrew, to answer that, I would be nowhere without Jory in my world. We're Batman and Robin, and I don't know, I just wouldn't have the mental capacity without an integrator in my life. And that's his skill set. That's the cool thing. He's behind the scenes doing everything. I was just in Colorado with my brother backcountry skiing for a week. He does it better than I do, but he also needs me to continue to push the pedal on and show us where we're going in each business, You know where we want to go. So, well, I mean, I can definitely relate to that. I started 2019 better than rich. And then I quickly realized that I need some support and the birth of the better than rich show and Mike Abramowitz joining the team and just that whole conversation. It's just like, 
the Batman and Robin approach to it of just like how we partner together. The reality is Mike helps me go so much further faster and avoid so many landmines that I would have had to step on. I assume vice versa in some ways, right, Mike? But I think just that true partnership has really helped me. I was always scared of it, to be honest, to start because it's almost like a marriage, you know? Like it's a pretty big deal. You're, you're really linking arms with somebody and that means all sorts of implications. It's a really important decision. You wanna make sure you get it right. One of the things I was considering, I'm like, could I just do this on my own? Do I really need to give 50% of my company away to be able to make this happen. And it's like, is it worth it? And it clearly was, and it has been. So that, that's been my experience. If anybody's listening to this, that's in a higher level position, that's, I see this happen. I don't know what's right or wrong. I just know what my story was. And maybe even it's kind of a mirror image of what you guys have going on because I've seen a lot of high producing visionaries go and hire multiple executive assistants, you know, and that's great. And that's leverage, but it's not in integrator level. And I really think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was you don't hire anybody. They're your first partnership as an integrator, then start building from there. Jory's partnered in many of the things we're doing. He's building his ecosystem. He's walking down his path and his finish line too. That's the most fun. Like Mike, second to Haley and I crossing that finish line will be the day that I watch Jory and cross his finish line. Like that to me is more exciting. Absolutely. And Mike, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that too, on the other side of what your experience has been. What are your thoughts? Well, as the person who was trying to start my own thing, I mean, we got out of the hospital uh, September 10th and I'm like, well, shit, I got to replace my wife's income. I mean, she was pulling in 75 grand a year as a corporate recruiter and now she's a full-time medical mama making nothing. So it's like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? So I went to the drawing board to figure out, okay, well, I'm going to start my own coaching thing. I'm going to do Micah Bromwitz and spend all this money on branding and learning and doing all this. And then I built it and got off the ground and I'm like, man, getting paid 300 bucks for an hour or 400 bucks for an hour seems good to a lot of people. But I realized that I'm just like, it's another version of exchanging my time for money, but it's not all that I thought it was going to be like building out this coaching company that it worked. Like I made a hundred grand doing my own personal coaching, but it was like just having another job. What I'm finding now with this partnership with Andrew and with Better Than Rich is we're able to reach more people by locking arms together, providing more additional services. That's not just a one-to-one coaching or a one-to-many coaching, like they were actually able to collaborate and provide a better service, number two. And then number three, I mean, we're growing this thing, assuming we hit all the numbers and all the stars align the way we want, that we're going to hit seven figures in our next 12 months. And we'll be on pace for three to five years to hit eight figures, which... 50% of eight figures is a hell of a lot better than three to $400 an hour of exchanging my time for coaching clients. And I think just seeing the big picture and then where it can go from there and having something that maybe our sons can take over or work out or building something up that we could potentially sell or give equity stocks or shares to and be able to focus on our families or doing other, like there's more upside opportunity than doing my own solo thing. So 50% of a lot is better from my lens than a hundred percent of a little. And I did have to weigh that out. I think that's similar to what kind of Andrew thought about too. Yeah. I think this is such good topic matter. And I want to touch on this because you mentioned like, how do I get started? How do I do things without having that 25,000 to put in a syndication? I've heard a lot of bad energy around partnerships. And I think that partnerships can go wrong. But my first real estate investment was I was the legs and someone else was the money. Zero dollars for me. Finding people to link arms with, making one plus one equal 10 together is the way of the world that's been happening before we were here. Don't just jump into anything. Use your gut and really do your research. But really strong quality partnerships can make you go way farther than you ever imagined. And, and you guys are an example of that. That's awesome. Well, I want to ask you, Kyle, because you talked about Haley, you talked about Jewelry. Obviously, we're in front of our dads together. I'm assuming there's a bigger reason. You said your big mission is I want to help other people live their lives through passive income. And right now, I know you said you're kind of working. If I heard you right, you're working towards your 25K number. You're not quite there yet. If I heard that right, you're probably doing pretty well. Wherever you are on the journey, that's up for you to disclose where exactly you are facing towards 25K. What would be your reason that you can share as a family man with a business, you're wearing the hat, we're in the same community. What's the motive? You got 
10 streams of income, all this chaos, all this headache. What is the light for you that keeps you humming along to keep finding who's, to keep finding ways, to keep staying strong, to create this partnership with Haley, to keep this partnership going with Jewelry and not say, fuck this, this is too hard, I'm out. I'm just going to settle for mediocre. Yeah, I love it because we're rooted in it. It comes from the belief that I truly have is once you stop reading menus from right to left because the money problem solved. Once you can wake up and pay attention because, oh, one of the kids isn't feeling good or your wife and you haven't had much time together and you can just stay. Once you get to a place where money is taken care of and when somebody passes away in your family, you can show up early and stay late because that's when actual connection and support happens. Once you get to a place where when somebody's struggling and you can just give them $10,000 and say, hey, I think this will help you in this time. And you know that it's not alone. And when you can just service needs, this type of abundant mentality is, I think, what changes the world. When each of us, and there's no greater work than A, us doing it alongside each other, And then if you've done it, if you have experience in it, helping others do the same. I don't think there's any greater work. I don't think there's any greater return on your investment because this is generational change. Speaking of Jory, he's close to my heart. He's someone that's been in the trenches with me. He's buying his first duplex this year. He has some ownership in other businesses, but this will be his first investment property. No one in his family has ever owned an investment property. If he holds on to that investment property for 50 years, it'll be life-changing wealth. Life-changing wealth. It'll be generational change in his family for his entire family name. And that's just one property. So people making these small decisions to start this journey, start making money work for them. I have no fault against anybody that came before me, but none of my grandparents or none of my parents did that. You know, That's just not part of my story. I don't have a chip on my shoulder. It's not why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it so I can give it all to my kids. I'm doing it because once those bricks stack on top of each other, I just know how much abundance can be created and how everybody can live a different life. They can look through a different lens than all of us that are trying to make the ends meet at the end of the month. And to answer our $25,000 journey, our businesses are creating a lot of revenue, but a lot of it's active right now, right? We're fueling, we're fueling, we're trying to continue to invest. So as far as the 25,000, as far as what we have that's passively creating revenue, we're about halfway there. And we're super excited. The stats came in from 2022 and we're like, okay, We've made progress and we can start to put like a date. Like we think right around mid 2025, the cool part is do we run faster as we get closer? The only thing that matters to me is that we will get there. You know, it will happen. There will be a show that I'm on where we crossed it and this is what we learned and this is how we can help others. So I hope that answers a little bit, Mike. I love it, man. It's really cool to watch your heart come through and the passion that you have for your family, but also for others, for the world. And uh, three questions before we kind of head for the exits here. The first question is, what do you think the world needs most right now? What would you say to that? Dude, it's going to be in alignment and it's going to sound like a broken record, but I look around, I help people buy and sell houses. And I think the world needs more financial peace. Okay. Peace around money is such a polarizing topic. But if we can bring that to the surface, especially like when we connect with people in our church or our community or couples and we can finally talk about money and we can say, like, man, I'm really struggling here, we can start to take the steps towards the good. But there's a lot of money and financial non peace that sits in the shadows and ignorance. And that translates from generation to generation. So I really believe, man, if more and more households, more and more, more and more marriages would be stronger. If we could start creating not just two streams of income from two active working parents, one billionaire said his definition of risk was one source of income. That's the most risky thing you can do. And especially one source of income that you don't own. How scary is that? If both parents are working for a corporation, right? That can get swept out from underneath you. And I think starting that conversation, getting that first asset, starting to change that thinking, reading those books that we talked about. Oh man, that can change everything. Well, speaking of books, I know we mentioned a few during this episode. If there was one or two or three additional books that weren't mentioned, what would you suggest some people should check out? I'll do two recent ones that really had a big impact on me. And we're actually doing a book study on one with our team on Fridays. I bring lunch in and that is The Gap and the Gain. Um, If you haven't read that book yet, especially as a high performer, man, it has an amazing impact of me living in the gap of where you think you should be or living in the gain of how much progress you've made. It's a daily action, recording your wins. Gap in the Game by Dan Sullivan, amazing book. And then the other one was Happy Money. That is all about money, financial abundance, and financial peace. Some really cool little thoughts on how money 
carries energy and it actually is one of the biggest things that happens in especially our culture. That's kind of our worlds revolve around money and it's kind of how we have to function and it's crappy, but it's also something we need to embrace. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate those suggestions. Our final question is, what does it mean to you to be better than rich? Yeah, better than rich definition to me. I remember when I first saw the name of your company and started to learn what you guys do, right? Started to watch you guys from afar as we're in the groups together. And Andrew and I, we were banging drums next to each other at Front Row Dads Live as well. Better than rich, it starts to speak to the wealth equation, the wealth kind of coefficient. You have now time, which starts to give you more options. It starts to give you more ability to impact. And I think when you start getting into impact and time freedom, I know we talked a lot about it, but that to me is when you're better than rich. Well, Kyle, you've been a great asset to our audience and we really appreciate you for sharing a lot of the goods and especially around these passive income streams. I think every listener should just go back if you haven't already and just document each of those different streams of income that you can create for yourself if you wanted to right away, just start moving in that direction. So Kyle, I know we mentioned in the Passive 25K podcast, we mentioned your community, Passive Income University. Where can people learn more if they want to sign up, if they wanted to check this out, learn more about this? Yeah. So I mentioned our community, Passive Income University, which can be found at P25KG, which stands for Passive 25K Group, P25KG.com. You can check us out. One of the things on there is our podcast. We're super excited about it. We've just been blown away by the quality of guests that have come in and had great conversations with us. The whole purpose of the podcast, you guys, is to start to highlight different versions and recipes for creating passive income. So we're trying to get the smorgasbord of everything. Our recent one, like I said, was land investing and it was really eye-opening. And so anybody that's curious about this, that's open to listening to that podcast, it's provided me a lot of value as the host. But then our community of people that are doing this, everybody in our community called Passive Income University is creating their game plan, their passive income journey, starting to outline their streams of income. We're all walking down this path together, providing each other resources. You know, recently we've had three or four people get into the short-term rental Airbnb game. Man, the resources that have flown around lately that have just really helped us all iron sharpen iron type of thing has been huge. What we were looking for on this journey was a community to do this with. And there's a lot of stuff out there, but we just couldn't find one that fit our values. And that's why we kind of created our own. People that have been joining have really added value. Like I said, anything from vending machines to e-commerce to short-term rentals, long-term rentals, Turo, all these different things. Cryptocurrency is a conversation we have a lot about with people that are using the stock market and crypto in a passive income way. All of these questions in the community, it's a member-led community and it's just been a really cool experience. And it's something that I look forward to being a great member of, not even a facilitator. Well, we'll definitely put that link in the show notes. And you said it was P25KG, P25KG. We'll definitely put that in the notes. Kyle, thank you so much just for your insights and being here. And our mission, obviously, with our listeners is to help them automate and delegate and systemize their businesses to win back their time. And then as they increase their profits with their newly refined business, taking that money and put it into passive income. So that way, their money is working for them and their business is working for them. So now they have this time and this money freedom for them to really do what matters most to them. I think there's a lot of synergy there. I think that there's going to be some future partnerships and some really great opportunities for our our audiences to connect for sure. So Andrew, thank you for your time. And as always, great questions. And Kyle, thank you again for being here and listener. We obviously couldn't do this without you. So thank you for being here with us. And as always, assuming this episode helped you, it's your turn. Help others by sharing it with a friend, subscribe on YouTube, leave a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. And remember, leave today better than you found it. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at better than underscore rich and join our Facebook group at the better than rich show. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, leave today better than you found it.